Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas, Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're in or you're out, right now. My best mates are down in Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, the podcast. Though you may find a life with someone new, after today I'll still belong to you. You've heard him on the show before. He sounds just like Frank Sinatra, and I mean just like him. It's incredible. His name is Gary Anthony. I think the really the best tribute artist to Frank Sinatra there is. But now I'm finding out some more about him, and I can't wait to talk with him about it. He joins us today. Turns out he was a star before the Sinatra days, and he's going to put out a new album, which is really exciting as some of that music. Let's welcome Gary Anthony. Gary, great to have you on today. So you were really in the whole showbiz thing from a really early age. Oh, yeah. First of all, how you doing, baby? You look marvelous. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Frank. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It goes back uh, uh, when I was three years old. Uh, when I first heard Sinatra, I said, that's what I want to do. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because yeah. one of the things you told me about that, we, we've even used it on demo tapes because I think it's just such an accurate thought of the whole idea of the Rat Pack and stuff that you talked about, the phrasing and so forth. There's so much more to Sinatra than just you know trying to sound like him and so forth. There's a lot more to it, right? You kind of almost have to become him. Oh, absolutely. In fact, he was interviewed and they asked him, would you like somebody to impersonate you? And his answer was, um, I would be honored. The only problem I have with it, it would take a lifetime. And that is so true. I mean, I, like I say, I started when I was three years old <laughs> when I heard Frank. But yes, it would take a full lifetime because you have to live it. You have to. You really got. Actually, you got to live the. Uh, he lived the the songs, the, the the lyrics to the songs. He lived them, and and that's basically what I did. You lived the lyrics, and you and in the lyrics, you're telling a story. You're just not singing the words. You're telling a full story. It's a storyline. And it's almost like an instrument. I mean, the other night, my wife and I watched one of my very uh, favorite movies, Guys and Dolls, you know, and he's on there with with Marlon Brando. You know, Brando wasn't a singer and stuff. And then all of a sudden, Sinatra sings, and you just realize it's like he's playing an instrument. Absolutely. That's another thing. Uh, Well, of course, he started out with uh, uh, the trombone player, um, he he learned off the trombone player when he first started uh, uh, singing with the band, and uh, he it's bre- it's called breath control. Uh, there's all kinds of things involved, and um, w- w- when you're holding a note, it's like it's holding it forever. And when you watch him on that uh, that show, Guys and Dolls, when he's singing, he's actually talking. It's almost like he's talking to you while he's singing. It's amazing. Well, let's talk about you, because back in the 1970s, and I didn't realize this, 
your family had appeared on the Johnny Carson show, America, mm-hmm. American Bandstand, and you played over at Knott's Berry Farm, which that theater's big, and it was a big deal. And that was your home base for, what, four years? Uh, yes. How, how did you get into that? Tell me what the well, family did. Okay. Uh, we, uh, we started out in, in the garage, as usual. Everybody starts out in the garage. <laughs> My dad was in the entertainment business for years. He was a big band leader uh, back in the late 50s, early 60s. And um, he knew everybody in the business. In fact, I got to see him. I, I'm going off the cuff a little bit here. But um, he played with Count Basie, Harry James, and all this. And I used to go as a child to watch him backstage in Las Vegas because they would call him to sub. And, uh, but, but yeah, he started out doing all that stuff. He played sax, clarinet, flute. And, uh, yeah, leading back into the Allens, when we started, we started at the garage and he introduced us to, um, Seymour Haller and Associates. He knew him. He was the, uh, manager of Liberace. And so he entered, we, we recorded in the studio and we, he gave it to the recording to him. They loved it. So they picked us up. And that's how we ended up uh, going with Mike Curb. Uh, productions and uh, he put us on Motown. He introduced us to the Osmonds, and the Osmonds wrote a song called High Tide. So they played it, we sang it, and it started hitting all over the world um, back in 1975. We ended up on Johnny Carson, Merv Griffin, um, American Bandstand. Uh, we ended up on all, and the teen magazines and all that stuff. It was, we were called the Allens. Well, in that song "High Tide," yeah, it was a big hit, and you know it brings back Mike Curb was particularly. Uh, adept at taking people and really kind of getting that sound right. And, of course, the Osmonds, people forget they know about Donnie and Marie now. But at that mm-hmm. time, uh, these were major players in the in the production business. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And and I could literally say I am a Motown recording artist. <laughs> How cool is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we were the first family white group signed with Motown. Yeah. And, and so we made history. Uh, and uh, it, 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 it was most fantastic time you know, to oh, experience. Yeah. Well, I, this, I can this. imagine. So how old are you then? Uh, oh, gosh, I was, uh, I was in my 20s, early 20s. So that must have been a lot of fun because you had girls screaming for you. And so some of them oh, were yeah. too young, but I'm sure there were plenty of age. That must have been yeah. exciting. <laughs> oh, it was very exciting. Uh, it, uh, something you just it's, – it's a great time that uh, we w- when I went through, and I, it, it's such a great memories. In fact, I still know the fans today. It's amazing. Really? Do they stay in touch and kind of keep yeah. the track? Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, they found me online as Sinatra, you know, so it's like, hey, that's good. That used to be Gary <laughs> Allen. <you know? laughs> but now what's really cool, and that's what we had you on, we were so excited to hear, you're putting an album out of some of this music. And like you were saying, your dad was really important, not only for that, but really in your entire life of kind of being your inspiration. Absolutely. He was my total inspiration. Um, he wrote 
he wrote songs back in the late 50s, early 60s, and they're romantic songs. They're, of course, they're like the, they sound uh, like the uh, Great American Songbook is what I called them. They're that type of music. And um, I've heard him all my life. He would sing them, I, and then I wrote, you know, and then he'd go on. I'd, and all through the years, I would say, Dad, why don't you record these songs? And, uh, well, he had 11 kids, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was busy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, I so I, I promised him one day, uh, I said, someday I'll record your songs. Well, you know, he was getting up on age, and I said, Dad, it's time for me to say, to start recording your songs. So I uh, I signed all his songs over to me, and and uh, so now I came out I came out with the the one song I've heard most of my life, and and. Um, it was called After Today, I'll Call You Just a Friend, and I, I knew that that song had to be recorded. So I finally did it. And you and, were able to do it before he passed away, right? So he actually yeah. got to hear it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was so thrilled to hear it. Um, in, in fact, the I almost copied We recorded it years ago just in our little garage just to put it together. And the way he played the sax was fabulous. So I left the sax uh, played the way he played it, and and uh, I had Ned Mills who produced it with me. Um, he wrote out the score, and he and he wrote out the notes for the sax man. And so we gave the sax man. And he read it right off the chart, and it it just it, it just turned out wonderful. How much fun is that? You know, you you do this great tribute act, and of course you love Sinatra, but there has to be a little part of you that's. It must be fun to kind of put out some. Not different music, but your own stuff, and you know, you know some songs that people haven't heard. Uh, you certainly have established yourself as an excellent singer, but there must be a kind of I want to take my turn at bat too. Yes, yes, it was all that. It was like okay, it, you know, I, I've done Sinatra for the past thirty years. <laughs> I recorded his voice, and, but uh, I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to get out there and do something with original material. And now he's got, I've got 40 of his songs and, and, and they're all wonderful songs. So, um, I, I, um, signed up with BMI and had started a publishing company and I put, uh, so now I can put it all out. Uh, yeah. and, uh, it's all, it's playing all over, um, all over the world. So I'm, I'm excited about it. All right, what's the name of the new album? Uh, well, it's called after today and in parentheses, I'll call you just a friend. Uh, just to complete the the because after today doesn't really mean too much. It's just you know you want to you want to kind of specify what the song is, and it's a tearjerker. Uh, it's a um, you know a fellow losses love that type of thing. You know boy boy loses girl that type of thing, and but he's still in love with her. Um, I thought it was just uh, perfect to put out at this point. And yes, I was glad that my father was able to hear it before he passed away last month. Yeah, well, and, I, and I'm thinking, too, you remember the great albums. In fact, Sinatra was the guy that really kind of created the concept album. It wasn't just in a, uh, a list of songs. Do these songs kind of work together in the way that, like, Frank used to put those uh, albums together? I think so. Because I've been doing Frank for all these years, um, I, I really wanted to kind of get in that that era, that sound, that, uh, that uh, it was sort of like the uh, Great American Songbook uh, a standard. It's a, it's a standard. Yeah. So where everybody would want to sing it. In other words, so um, 
that I wanted to gear it to that and that Sinatra flavor and that smooth that 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 smooth sound uh, with the strings and the and the yeah. sax is just arrangements are such a big part of why that music is so great. I mean, Sinatra certainly understood it. You look at the people he worked with over the years, uh, yeah. and that just kicks it up a notch. Is that something? When you think about singing, you love singing the Great American Songbook. Is that what you think makes those so special that everybody, even guys like Rod Stewart and Paul McCartney and so forth, want to sing that stuff because it's just such great music? It is just great writings. Uh, the The music is just so great. the The writers, uh, you're writing a story, and you you're li- actually living the story that this this person that's not to sing or even this song you're living reliving that story uh, of a lost love um and that's what really brings homes it in it's just like it, it, it's everyday life yeah I, and, that, and that makes some sense so getting back to when you were back in the 70s and you're doing all that stuff and eventually like all things are gonna happen you know mm-hmm. th- that goes away and now you got to decide what to do on your career and you kind of take a really gutsy thing in the late 80s you head off to Vegas to be a, a Sinatra tribute artist and now of course we can look at it and go well see that was a natural but at the time it had to take a, a lot of guts because there were other people that were doing that and Vegas is kind of a tough market if they don't take you right away uh, no, they don't. yeah <laughs> yeah you're not going to be doing that long <laughs> no right right no i you're exactly right uh, when i got here it was like oh the, you can't do this you can't do that and i said oh yeah watch me <laughs> you know you have to have that attitude you can't listen to negative you, everything is positive in, in your world. You have to go forward positive. If you listen to negative, you're going to fall right into it, and you're not going to go anywhere, really. Yeah, yeah. you know, going to Vegas was really important too. Because if you're if you're going to dedicate yourself to being a tribute artist for Sinatra, you kind of have to get there just to, to kind of pick up that feel. I would think. Yes. Uh, well, I, when I was in Los Angeles, uh, there there wasn't much impersonators going on in L.A. That's why I had to move to Vegas, because uh, that's where it was all happening for impersonators. And so I, I started out basically doing a uh, – I was a DJ for a few years until I finally kind of get into the – uh, how I can swing into doing corporate. And then uh, I landed the Tropicana Hotel in the year 2000 for the Rat Pack in the lounge. So we were there for two years. Ned Mills came in. Uh, I had uh, Lambus Dean at the, and Bill Whitten at the time. And Andy Domino was uh, was the host. We say, "Hey, you could do Dean. <laughs> you look like Dean Martin." <laughs> but we—that's where it all started. To the year two thousand, where I was able to grasp it and be able to work the chops. Uh, and then I started doing corporate from there and started my business, my agency, and that's how it all developed. It was—it was quite a wonderful experience as you go. And I—you I, know—it's just something you just. Uh, very proud of. Yeah. Well, and then doing what you do, because it's Sinatra as opposed to somebody else, it's one thing where you sound like him and it looks good. 
But then he he had such nuance to his performance and so forth. Mm-hmm. It's something you don't just do overnight, right? I mean, you got to keep working at it, keep getting it a little bit better and a little bit better because he's uh, one of the quote unquote perfect entertainers. And and to reach that thing, it, it's going to take a lot of effort on on somebody's part to really separate yourself from all these other quote unquote impersonators or tribute artists, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I call it basically, uh, you know, starting out listening to Sinatra, first of all, when I was younger, and recording yourself. There, If you don't record yourself, you're not going to know where you're at. You've got, because you've got to criticize yourself through the recordings. I've recorded myself since I was a little kid on tape. You know, remember the reel to reels? I do, I do. <laughs> you know, and, and, and the big microphone, I recorded myself and I developed an ear for it. And also listening to Sinatra, every record he came out with, I burned his records out just listening to him. And, and, and just singing along with him all these years kind of developed into that. Now, on stage, it's a whole different ballgame. Now you've got to be Sinatra in the sense of where you have to swing. I mean, you have to – I notice his movements and stuff. I don't study his movements because it came naturally to me. So everybody said, well, that's Sinatra. You know, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I've watched him through the years and just uh, – I just adored the guy. I mean, I, he was my idol. I, I couldn't stop listening. And I still listen today. I, I'll put him on. I'll go, oh, I missed something there. Yeah, so it, it's a never-ending uh, process. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And that's why I said it would take a lifetime. And well, he's right. Well, and also, when you talk about the look, I, I read that you said you were fortunately born with similar eyes and the similar mm-hmm. fore, forehead, but then you brought in a makeup artist and so forth, and you did whatever it took to get that look perfect. Right. Yeah, I'm still working on it. In other words, I found another thing I have to do in order to look better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the eyebrows are the hardest. Those are the hardest because for me, because my eyebrows are higher and his were lower. So, I, in fact, I just got through uh, talking with somebody who does makeup, and she was talking about, uh, okay, let's get these eyebrows down. I go, okay, here we go. <laughs> but, yes, uh, I, I, I said, don't touch my eyes, whatever you do. <laughs> you know, because I, I want to keep looking like Frank. You know, he had the droop in his eyes. One of the things Frank did was he used to kind of – chat with the audience and if you have live at the sands one of the great mm-hmm. live albums ever made you know you get that idea and he's talking about things that are going on how do you do that i mean do you try to set yourself back to his time when he was singing or is it something where you try to bring him into today where maybe he makes a comment or two about something that's going on how do you fit that part in okay uh in my shows when i do uh, when i do theater uh i tell stories uh in other words i'm not frank sinatra Okay, so when when I do theater, there's a difference between impersonator and a tribute artist. Uh, in theater, I'm a tribute artist. I'm I'm, tr- I'm paying tribute to Frank. The the nice thing is I can look and sound like him. Everybody go wow. Okay, in corporate, when we book corporate, it's celebrity impersonators. So there is a difference on theater and corporate. Now in theater, I'll tell stories. In fact, I'll talk about my dad. At the very beginning of the show, uh, I'll, first of all, I'll be Frank Sinatra coming out. I'll be all Frank and wow, everybody, you know, give, give me a wow. 
Uh, I'll sing a couple songs, and then I'll go into uh, Good Evening, Ladies and Gentlemen, da da da, it's Frank, and then I'll slowly turn into Gary. And then I'll tell you a little story about uh, how I started and my father, boom, boom. And during this course of time, I'll tell stories about Frank. Keep your interest in Frank. And then when I go back into Frank, I said, and uh, uh, I'll go right back into Frank, and then it's just Frank on the stage. That's why it's, it's, it's amazing how the audience really reacts to that. And, and again, I, I guess there's a point where you don't want to oversell it in the sense where you can't pretend you're going to be him because no. the, it's a different world. And it's, you know, you're right. not him, but you want to pay. And that's really the way using the term tribute. You really do pay tribute. Right. Yeah, well, for theater, it's a tribute to Frank Sinatra. Um, but. You know, the, 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 the catch to the whole thing is that I'll come out, look, and sound like him. <laughs> well, everybody says, well, that's Frank. <laughs> Let them say it. <laughs> How has it been for you, Gary, through this pandemic? Because, you know, again, you're used to doing this. You're keeping it fresh and so forth. And all of a sudden, now you, you, you can't perform. Do you, do you sit there? Do you do a lot of this at home? How do you keep that uh, all going in, 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 the, okay. in the same role? Yeah, Um for every moment in time, there's a different way to go. And uh, let me explain that. Uh, I do it all online now. I, I do business online. Uh, now, I, I am a member of Cameo.com. Okay? Mm -hmm. If you go to Cameo.com, you go uh, type in Gary Anthony or Frank or Sinatra, and there I am. Now, I do everything at home now. I have cameo. I've got a cameo business uh, in the Philippines, and that's uh, where I do corporate, and where I do um, uh, weddings, corporates, and what have you. Have it, what, that, what that is is I'm uh, me as Sinatra with a green screen behind me, saying, "How you doing? Happy birthday to you!" Da da da. And I, I charge a price, but uh, and 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 that keeps me busy. First of all, uh, I have other business online as well. Um, but everything go went to online, and that's why I did the after today song. That's why I did my dad's song because I'm working online now, and I'm working, and I'm also recording. I'm recording a lot, of, uh, recording CDs, and recording uh, the, uh, the the songs that my dad wrote, and um, and so the, all that is keeping me busy. All right now, but we are booking for the fall. Yeah, that's got to I mean, be exciting. I mean, yeah. and it's, it's just a good way to keep the role going on. And you wish there was never a pandemic, of course. Right, But right. If, if you want to find a silver lining, it is that you had the time to go on and, and take on some of those projects that maybe were waiting based on your touring. Right. Uh, and also uh, getting the world to get to know me through the song and through my uh, – I have another CD out. It's called uh, Let's Swing, Gary Anthony, Let's Swing, all Sinatra songs. Um, and – I have been doing that for the past two and a half years, learning how to do all this online. And I finally got it. I'll figure it out. Like the Reverb, uh, um, Reverb Nation is going to feature me on the front page. Uh, I'll, I'll be able to splash that out very soon, as soon as they let me know when. And uh, I've got all these in people interested in the entertainment industry interested because of the song that I'm, you know, I'm going national TV. You know, that's mm -hmm. the next step. Next step, basically, is national television. Whether I do it as a commercials. Uh, in fact, I'm auditioning for commercials as Frank, doing, doing commercials for nice. uh, different, different. Yeah, so I, it, it landed me online. I, it just forced me to do what I'm doing now uh, is basically what it did for wow. me. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. let's tell people how they can hire you. First of all, through Cameo, okay. kind of talk about that because people love that, everything from a birthday greeting, like you said, sure. to uh, much more involved stuff. Uh, how do we get a hold of you for that? Go to Cameo.com and uh, type in Sinatra, and there I am. I'll be right there. Okay, that's, that's excellent. And then what, and, what about the album? Because we want to get a, we want to get okay. a hold of that. So tell <clears throat> okay. us how to do you, that. You can you can go. I'll tell you what the best way to do it is go to my website. Go to uh, majorep.com. That's EP like Elvis Presley. And it, right there, front page, it shows you my CDs and where to click to. Uh, Amazon.com, uh, iTunes, it's all there. Um, in fact, and you can also go to YouTube, type in Gary Anthony after today. Yeah, and, and, and that might be a good way for people to kind of get the feel for it, and then they're going to want sure. to have it. So uh, sure. go to your website. Mm -hmm. I think that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you thinking of touring once we get back? You know, you said September and October. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm already booking for tours next year uh, and uh, uh, two years from now. Um, in fact, I'm going to be at a theater somewhere. Oh, gosh, that's not till August, uh, September, October of next year. But see what I'm saying? I'm booking ahead of time now. Uh, we're, it's, it's starting to open up. All the conventions are starting to open up. Uh, Florida, Georgia. I mostly book conventions. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my business. That's what I do. I have clients from all over the world, and I used to bring them to Vegas. But uh, the calls are coming in for the, for the fall and into next year. So uh, it's, it's going to slip. It's going to all open up very soon. I'm getting calls for Texas, Florida. Um, well, this is great. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'd so, love to see you out there again. And we're going to check out what website one more time, Gary. Yeah, it's major uh, www.majorep.com. We will go there. We'll buy some CDs. We'll check you out on YouTube. Always love talking with you. Look forward to talking with you again, Gary. All right, thank you so much. With any new romance, though you may find. A life with someone new After today I'll still belong To What if every dollar you invested into your training program turned into $30 of revenue? What if your learning program was so engaging that your employees looked forward to annual trainings? And what if you could monitor the success and effectiveness of your curriculum with quantifiable metrics? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. E-learning has made each of these scenarios possible, utilizing tools such as virtual and augmented reality, simulations, and online instructor-led training provides a safe environment for employees to learn at their own pace. Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Here at Epsilon XR, we have 50 years of experience in creating powerful and effective training programs. We combine proven training methods with cutting-edge technology to create immersive training experiences. Are you ready to take your training program to the next level? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Training.epsilonxr.com.
The old way of living with diabetes is a pain. You've got to remember to do your testing, and you always need to be sticking your fingers. The new way to live your life with diabetes is with a continuous glucose monitor. You simply apply a discreet, easy-to-use sensor on your body, and it continuously monitors your glucose levels, helping you spend more time in range and freeing you from painful finger pricks. If you test your blood sugar at least four times per day and inject insulin at least three times per day or use an insulin pump and have private insurance or Medicare, you might be eligible for a CGM with little or no cost to you. Call U.S. Medical Supply today for a free benefits check. We offer free shipping, 90-day supplies, and we bill Medicare or your insurance directly. Call now and say goodbye to finger pricks. 800-437-1424-800-437-1424-800-437-1424-800-437-1424-800-437-1424. That's 800-437-1424. Okay, Sean, we need to talk about our training budget. We're spending almost $1,500 per employee each year. What's the plan? Well, ma'am, 42% of companies are saying that e-learning has led to an increase in revenue. What does that do about the travel expense? E-learning allows employees to learn wherever they are. Then we need to consider the time away from production. I heard that e-learning takes up to 60% less employee time than traditional classroom training. Perfect. Let's find a curriculum company, a development company, a learning management software company. Actually, Epsilon XR specializes in end-to-end learning solutions with tools such as instructor-led training, online classrooms, simulations, virtual and augmented reality, and curriculum development. Get Epsilon XR on the phone. Epsilon XR creates immersive learning environments that engage with your learner, resulting in improved information retention, which leads to better performance and ultimately an increase in revenue. Learn more at elearning.epsilonxr.com. 